Uh, my name is David McKenzie. I'm the music director of the New Bedford Symphony Orchestra. And the school bell is ringing. Um, and I was uh, responsible for bringing music in the mornings to this area. Um, came three years ago as an education consultant to the orchestra. Uh, basically to set up a program similar to this. I've had experience with it f since um, 2000 when I was uh, working with Brit Festivals in Oregon and I placed it in about 70 schools there and now we have about almost 35 schools that are using it here. Um, and it, it's a program that is really ingenious in many ways because it's very easy to implement and the basic concept is is that there is an inherent value not only in listening to great classical music but repeated listenings to great classical music. And so what happens? Yeah this is it, it varies from school to school but the basic design of the program is that I call it five 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 minutes of music five days a week for five years. The idea is is that uh, we don't really want to try to teach the children about music the technical details of music with this program. What we're do, doing is basically just enriching their their daytime experience by listening to great music and listening to it repeatedly. So the design of the program is is that the children will, at the, usually at the beginning of the day, um, they will uh, hear a piece of music with a brief introductory script that's uh, very age appropriate in its concepts and really directs the children, children's imagination. Um, then they will repeat that piece every day for a week. So instead of just one hearing, they hear the same piece every day for a week with a slightly different script and it gives them good morning it gives them a, a, a deeper familiarity with the piece and then that piece, same piece cycles through a five-year course of repeated listenings at different times of the year so by the time a child has gone through the five-year cycle they have really had a, a, a very deep experience of listening to music and just making music a part of the daily routine of their of their lives. That I think is the, the greatest value of this because it, it makes music not special. If music is special it's peripheral. It's, uh, it's easily cuttable. But what this does is really places music as part of the daily routine of every child. And uh, the long-term benefits of that um, not only is the research shown you know that there's an inherent value to to a rich arts experience in the student's life but and there's also tons of research that really points to the the importance of music and the arts in general for developing cognitive skills and language skills and and temporal spatial skills and just basic socialization so it's it, it's it works at a, at a number of levels uh, the the aesthetic one the artistic one but also we notice in schools like like here at Hathaway and elsewhere that, that uh, the principals and teachers report that they're, the students and the teachers are much more calm and prepared to, to begin the day if they have a chance to just settle and listen to wonderful music. And uh, a lot of schools report um, po very positive behavioral shifts among school, uh, students too as well. So it's a, it's a, it works on a number of different levels. Really cool. It's yeah, yeah. It's I, I'm. I, it's it's one of those things. As an educator, you just really. I say this over and over, but it's. You, I, I really wish I had thought of it. You know, it's it, the the program's name, and I really need to give credit. It's not really music in the mornings. We we call it that because it's a little simpler. The name of the the listening program that core is the core of this program, 
is the Brummett Taylor Music Listening Program a non-directed approach? That's a little hard to say three times in a row, so we just call it Music of the Mornings. And um, it's uh, it's a program now that this this listening program is in about four thousand schools across North America. So it's 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 spreading. It's a positive trend. And is uh, is this the only? It's here in the southeastern part of Massachusetts. So far, there we they don't really keep track. Um, of which schools purchase their their programs, um, but as far as we can tell, there are no other schools in New England that are using this, or or at least there's no arts organization like the New Bedford Symphony that is taking an active advocacy role in placing it in schools. That actually was a trend that started with with Brit Festivals in 1999. Up until that time, program was was published in 1995, and up until 1999, it was just word of mouth. And then uh, Brit Festivals took on, the, it was actually the first arts organization to actively promote this, buy the programs, place it in the schools, free of charge. And that's what we're doing here. And since then, that has become a very strong trend. There are a lot of arts organizations, orchestras, um, community music groups, um, uh, school districts themselves, purchasing programs and placing them in the schools. So it's, um, it's becoming the, uh, the thing to do. And we're hoping that as we get the word out, more organizations will take this kind of role because it's a, in many ways, it's a no-brainer. Um, if you think about it, a program like this, it's a five-year cycle. By the time you get to the end of that five-year cycle, you have a whole new group of kids. So we're talking about placing a program, essentially, and supporting it. A, it it's a very minimal level to support it on a yearly basis. And you essentially have a perpetual program that goes on and on and on. And um, the long-term benefits that to that of that to the schools and also also to the community and society in general, I think, are very profound. So it's a it's a win win all the way around. Are the pieces of music pre-selected as part they of the are. program? Yeah, the the Brummett Taylor program is basically the brainchild of Dave Brummett, who was a music specialist in the elementary schools in Langley, British Columbia. So he he and Karen Taylor, who was a colleague of his. Um, over the course of a couple of years, selected uh, about 140 compositions that range right from uh, Palestrina in the Renaissance up to Prokofiev, Bartok, Stravinsky. Uh, broad representation of musical styles, um, or orchestral music, choral music, um, uh, solo repertoire, um, just about everything you can imagine. But music that represents uh, the common practice period. And it is, um, it, it is selected so that the average length is less than five minutes of every, every selection and that they're complete selections. They're not excerpts from a larger work. They may be a, a separate movement, but they're, they're complete in themselves. And they're um, selected for their, not only their, their value in terms of representing the great traditions of, of Western art music, but also for their ability to captivate the interest of the child. So you really don't have too many um, pieces where the kids have a tendency to nod off. There's a lot of captivating sort of sounds ranging from spring in the Four Seasons of Vivaldi to um, uh, the Viennese musical clock by, uh, from Hari Janusz by Zoltan Kodai. A lot of very, very diverse pieces, but um, all designed to really be able to uh, capture the imagination of the child. And the scripts themselves 
are designed so that they're, as I said before, they're, they're age appropriate, but they, they really don't try to teach music. They don't, this is not a curriculum. This is a, an enrichment program. So what it, the scripts really do is talk about the composer as a creative being uh, who, who had certain feelings or desires uh, to express or, or ideas to express and the, the decisions that they made um, within the music of expressing that. So it's, it really gears the child to understand more about the creative experience and possibly connect with their own creative experience. It's very powerful. And uh, I mean, it's uh, David's a wonderful guy. Uh, he's just uh, he's uh, passionate about music and passionate passionate about education. And this is uh, this is a, a remarkable achievement to put this together. Um, the recordings are all top quality recordings from the Naxos record catalog, um, which was the, the only way this could really come in a in a I think in a in a cost effective way. Was Naxos cut them a deal? where they could use all of these works uh, for a very, very low license fee. So it's, it's been a collaboration of, of love on a lot of, uh, part of a lot of people. And you had mentioned the cost of the program, and I'm wondering if you can just explore. Well, it varies. Um, the different groups do it differently. Now, it, you know, essentially, if a, if a school or a parent-teacher uh, organization wanted to buy this program, I don't know what the retail cost is now, but it's, it's, not, uh, it's not a lot. Um, the um, w they could just purchase that and plug it in. What we try to do with the New Bedford Symphony and and what Brit Festivals does as well is included as a part of a larger program. So we're in, we're in the process of developing support programs, auxiliary programs that go around that. So the cost um, the cost to us as an organization we sort of amortize over the five, uh, one five year period is about three thousand dollars is what it costs us um, to to buy the program. As I said, we place it free of charge here. And then support it with in-service uh, in, in programs and also the auxiliary programs we're, we're now piloting. Finally, we've got this going, uh, an in-school uh, performance program where musicians will come in and, and play a, a concert, teach a lesson concert that is uh, designed around the music that the children are listening. We also link that this um, the music in this program to what we do with our young people's concerts. We bring about 7,000 kids every year in early March to the Zyterian, and we link that music. So they, it's really fun to watch the kids go, ooh, ooh, I, I know that piece, you know. But um, So it, everything is integrated. A lot of arts organizations can uh, actually do it at a much more minimal level, but we really have a pretty, pretty um, I think, a, a profound vision about what this program and its, its auxiliary programs can do for this community. I think so. I'm really happy about it. <laughs> I need to greet him. Sure. Hey there, David. How are you? I'm good. Good, to, good to see you. Now, I just wanted to. Uh, how? What? What's been your experience over in the last? You know, you've been doing it two years, right? Is this um, the second year? How long has it been in well, we, existence uh, here? Three years. Then this is the three years. Oh, we were, you, you we were the first yeah. school to uh, come on board. So we've okay. been doing it for three years. I'll tell you personally, it's the highlight of my day. Oh, good. I mean, I love. <laughs> It, beyond the fact that the kids get to learn composers and just the way it sets a tone for the day mm -hmm. <clears throat> is amazing. There's, a, there's an unconscious impact that it has. You can just feel it soothing throughout the whole school. And, you know, I love it. I look forward to it. And I, I shouldn't say this in a recording, but I go get my coffee. <laughs> I have a little sip of coffee when we play music in the morning. And it's just great. It's, uh, it's the way we want to start the day for children. And, you know, and it, it help, again, helps them to settle in and get down to the academics. It's just, just a big part of our day. 
Have you have you noticed much of a shift in terms of of uh, overall interest in in the arts <coughs> than you see in the arts? Yeah, and I, we have uh, through uh, Carrie Quinlan Joe, mm-hmm. our fine arts director, who's been just great supporting us. Yeah. Um, we have an after-school strings program here that started this year. We actually had to limit it to third and fourth. We're only a 270 student school, and we're uh, you know we're we're 57 percent minority. Uh, 73, almost 74% poverty. And we had to limit the number of kids taking after-school strings from mm-hmm. three to four to, because the, the class of 15 filled up just in, actually we could have had 15 in one class, one grade level. And I have to think that the exposure to music in the morning had a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. I think that's what piqued their interest. So, uh, and you go out there now, and not to, not to have a suggestion for you for a follow-up, but on Wednesdays, <laughs> <laughs> from three to four out in one of our portables is just an amazing group of kids and a volunteer uh, teacher who's a paraprofessional in the school system uh, works in New Bedford High School comes here on his own time after school and works with these these groups of, uh, of kids and, and where they are already is amazing so I think we have you know 15 to 20 <coughs> aspiring musicians who would never have even thought of that if it wasn't for music in the morning and the group that you're going to speak with actually the, the fifth graders we weren't even we had we we hit capacity we wanted to uh, the idea was to start as young as possible so we started with third and we almost hit capacity just in third grade uh, and again this is kids volunteering to not be playing outside <laughs> so they can come in and play strings you know it's pretty amazing it, it is and you know I think also one of the things that really interests me in, or, or I, it, it holds my interest in in discovering more is the um, that kids interested in playing music is one of the obvious benefits that to this program that we're we're hoping will will accrue but i i also um i'm very interested in the the, the overall impact on on culture on society um we we have a research project that's beginning this year on some schools here um in new bedford um it actually will be completed next fall but just to observe that, the longer trend of, of what the impact is. And there's, as musicians, we always tend to, to kind of bemoan the fact that, that there's not the support for the arts in the United States that there is in Europe, uh, in, in Germany and England and other places. And I think in part that is because music, classical music, is much more a part of the daily life of the average student over there. Sure so hopefully what we're seeing is, is a, a shifting of that trend when every day great classical music is just part of the daily routine of Absol- the child. Absolutely. And the long-term benefits <coughs> is what we're really hoping to see. Right. And you know, one of the things I, I just uh, heard a, uh, an interview with uh, Thomas Friedman, the author mm-hmm. of The World is Flat, and a very interesting uh, point that he made was that it w- ought not to be our job to train more engineers and mathematicians, sort of uh, tunnel-visioned people, you know, one-dimensional people, that what we ought to be doing is training uh, broadly educated liberal arts people exactly. because, as he says, that's, that's the American advantage, the ability to think with, you know, with a wide vision. And the arts are a massive part of that. I mean, they help kids to see, especially in math and things like geometry, which were never, never meant to be a paper and pencil type of thing. Uh, you know, they're structural, they're real. So the, the, the visual arts fits in perfectly with that. You know, we have people here that for years have been teaching ch- our children to learn their fractions through drum lessons. Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing how kids who struggle with one-half plus one-fourth on paper can learn what a quarter note and a half note and an eighth note is. Yeah. 
it's a whole different, we, we access their moda different modalities and we help kids to become broader learners. And that really, the whole idea of developing critical thinkers is, is what, where education ought to go. I think Friedman's got that exactly right. So. Yeah, I think it, it's one of the, the sad elements of what is called now a liberal arts education, especially at the university level, right. is anything but. Right. Um, it's, it's much more a technical, vocational approach at the university level. And the original purpose of a university education, as far as I can understand it, was to teach, uh, to create thinkers right. um, and, and provide some, some, some guidance for developing a thinking life. Right. And uh, the arts are, are absolutely fundamental. I think that's one of the, the <laughs> beauties of this, uh, the, even the scripts that are read on a daily basis, is that they, they really focus the children's attention on the composer as a creative person, right. as a creative being. Right. Not necessarily the technical aspects, but they were a person who had a certain experience and they right. wanted to express that experience and they made certain creative choices to do that and this right. is what it sounds like right. and that is that doesn't end run around all the other structures the mental structures because a child goes hmm I could do that too right and it opens up the pathways for them to right. express and it their provides own depth to their education yeah. instead <laughs> of our tendency to, you know and, in American education to be a mile wide and an inch deep. Yeah. And, and we cover a whole bunch of things, but we don't do them with depth. That type of uh, study is what adds depth to any any uh, any topic we're studying. So, exactly. you know, I, I agree with you completely. And it's just been, you know, a tremendous program for us here. And thanks for including us. Oh, always. <laughs> I remember you coming here three years ago.